Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast where I sound really excited about telling you that this is the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Woohoo! Tabletop, LARP, mush, everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have more fun at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is, is to, to have, have fun! fun. <sighs> you alright? Hey, yeah. He always is out of breath after being DJ voice for 10 minutes. Well, you know... I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me, as always, is Carrie, the legend, and Jason, the favorite. That's right. I'm also the one who has been to Goat LARP. Uh, no, 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 keep going. What? Nothing. Rubbing it in. Mm. Greatest of all time, son of a Yeah, I know. Bah! 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 <laughs> I need to show you that shirt. What? You know, there's the Bond from Goat LARP shirts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get it? Yeah, of Do course. You have it? Uh, not with me, I'd, or I'd show it to you now. Huh. Because that would be really good podcasting. Yeah, yeah everybody obviously. wants, everyone listening right now wants to see it right well, now. Well, what we're going to do is I'm going to take a picture, and they will have already seen it by the time this airs because, you know, I'll have a picture of it. This is so confusing. Yeah. So anyway, before we get into uh, before we get into gaming, then let's go ahead and take a minute to get a report on our Patreon backers. So we have a Patreon and it basically helps to pay for the hosting and the podcasting stuff and and things like that. And it also lets people who back us on Patreon, they get some free stuff and it contributes to my retirement. And one of the things (laughs) one of the things to be 108 by the time you retire. (laughs) That was already true. One of the things that it gets is it gets you a free shout-out on the show, but it's not free because you've backed us on Patreon. It gets a shout-out. But it does get a shout-out on These the show. These are for our wizard level. That's right. So the first wizard we have is Joel. Joel, you're a wizard. Joel Eastland. Joel. He's more like the person who breaks into somebody's house and tells them they're a wizard, right? Yeah. Yeah, he would very much be more like Hagrid. Yeah, yeah. he's a Hagrid. Yeah, yeah. I feel it. Oh, is that what we're doing? We're uh, I guess that's what we're doing. All right. Yeah. So who's Ryan Martin? Our next backer. R- Ryan Mountain isn't in a house. He is the house. Oh, God. He's always, yeah. <laughs> You'll I'm never sorry, run out of house Ryan. jokes, will you? Until I, until I see his house. It's oh. the it, only thing I have so to talk about. So what Ryan with. needs to do is, when he listens to this episode, invite us all up for a oh, game. no. Don't do that, Ryan. And then we'll drive <laughs> up, and we'll play and record it and put it on an episode. Huh? <laughs> Ryan's going to stop backing us. <laughs> I hear his uh, his uh, new well, the Chronicles of Darkness game is really good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there. Mm-hmm. You sound like that skit ski. I know. I just watched that <laughs> like, this weekend. It looks so good. The new one looks so good. It does. So it does. All right, we've so got. So what else? <laughs> we've got Drew, Drew Stevens. What house is Drew Stevens in? Uh, Ravenclaw. Yeah, obviously yeah, Ravenclaw. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's oh. pretty clear. Cut and dry. Joe Hines is in what house? Hufflepuff. I can see it. Yeah. 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 I can see Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff, official house of Lost Colonies Lark. <laughs> <laughs> what about Noah Coltrip? Well, Noah Coltrip has been gaming since 2000, 2001-ish. Uh, his first game was Dungeons & Dragons 3.5, but he's primarily stayed with Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder for most of his career as a gamer. Uh, he does own a fair amount of World of Darkness books, but he's not really played it yet. Uh, but he thinks he probably enjoys Farah more than he enjoys Vampire. Gryffindor! Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> Gryffindor. Yeah, that's Gryffindor. <laughs> Sarah. Sarah! What would she be, Carrie-ra-ra? Um, Slytherin. Slytherin. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, I get that. It's okay. I'm Slytherin also. Yeah, I buy that you're a Slytherin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's mm. no denying. Yeah. So you're Slytherin. What are you, Jason? Oh, I'm definitely Hufflepuff. I know where the cupcakes are, and that's all I got. Fair, fair. You know, the funniest thing about truly being Slytherin is that, like, Slytherin's the house that everybody thinks they want to be in because it's cool to be the evil guy, right? Right. Everybody wants their thing to come up Slytherin, and so, like, the folks who really are Slytherin just sit back and, like, giggle every time, like, their nice friend posts, ha-ha, I'm in Slytherin, and it's like, no, you're not. And just like everybody in House Slytherin, it's a little condescending. Yeah, exactly. And judgmental. And blonde. Mm, 
Yeah, that's true. It's weird. But uh, like half of them can't read, right? Wasn't that a... No, never mind. Keep going. What are you? Uh, I, I had to fight it a very long... Like, I'm trying to figure out what I was, but I think I'm Ravenclaw. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Except they would read rule books. <laughs> or they would just have ridiculous natural talent. Uh, that's I mean, true. that happens, that too. That's kind of a Gryffindor I'm like the too, worst though, Ravenclaw it? ever, then. Well, if you'd like a shout-out, we'd love to give you one, and you can get one by helping us keep the show on the air uh, by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. Do it! When last we left our intrepid adventurers, mm-hmm. we were sitting here at this table recording a podcast, but since then, time has passed. Time has passed. So now we're sitting at this table recording a podcast. <laughs> it's like we're caught in a loop. Carrie, what you been up to? Um, I've been up to quite a bit. A&W's taken off pretty well. Right. The Adventures, company? Yeah, yeah I've heard yeah. it. Very successful. Right. Very no, um, Adventure's Not Wanted. Um, That's your mush. Yes, it is my mush. It's doing really well. We haven't actually posted on any of the like mush lists anywhere saying that we're live. Secret mush lists. Yeah. So, but what's neat is we're still getting players. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. That's just because you haven't scared them away yet. I'm no. tra- uh, all right, I'll work on with that. your mean rules. I'm very mean. I'm like the meanest. So I noticed something that was sort of a callback to the episode we did a little while ago, which I don't remember, the, the advertising episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I Googled Adventures Not Wanted looking for the wiki. Yeah. I typed that in as many different ways as I could think of, mm-hmm. and it could not find it. You need to, yeah, you need to also include wiki. I did. Um, and mush. I did. Weird. Okay. I, no luck whatsoever. Huh. So but there. then I, you know, I just ask you what the link there we was. Go. So that true. worked. That that will work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Um, I I got. I'm I'm gonna sh- fly my nerd flag a little bit here. Right. Um, you fly so many flags. I do. I do. Lots and lots of flags. No, we got the direct to DVD movie Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja. Oh, <laughs> and it's pretty good. Kawabaka. I, I saw a clip of that was been going around Facebook, mm-hmm. and it has the the Shredder Batman fight. Yeah, and, and Shredder kicked his ass. Yes, he all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it was just because Batman was tired from a fight he'd just been in. Oh my god, what does that matter? I'm just saying the Shredder. Batman goes way out of his way to make sure everybody's yeah, but, aware of that. <laughs> yeah, and it, 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 it's really kind of funny because he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm tired. I was tired. I was tired. That's was, why you got oh. stabbed so many times." Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. 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 No, but. It, it's really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, lot, there's lots of fun throwbacks to a bunch of different other Ninja Turtle things that, like... like at, Without spoiling really, it, but there's lots of good references. Yeah, there's lots of good references. And there's also some ba- some very fun Batman references. Like, the first time you see him uh, not Batman, he Alfred hands him coffee in a, in a Superman mug. <laughs> like, that, like, I was just like... Ah! I like that. That yeah. was very, very fun. Um, and then the last thing is I, I finally got my postcards for the Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, you gave me mine. Yeah. It was really cool. So I'm going to be wrapping those up and mailing those out this week. Mm-hmm. Super. Woo! So what have you been doing, Jason? Well, you know, I've been we're, to Goat Larp, but uh, uh, we're not what we're going to do is we're going to post a whole thing about that <sighs> in what? Next week? Yeah. Or next, something like next that? Next week we're going to talk about it on the, on okay. the podcast yeah. so. week. We want Sounds all. Good. We want all the deets. Oh, the deets. Yeah. Well, well, we'll I guess see. that's better than the. Bleats. The bleats? No, that ah. sounds pretty good. We want oh, missed opportunity, Ryan. Bob, Bob, black <laughs> deets. No, too late. <laughs> uh, we just look. I'm just here for the sheer comedy. Ah. Okay, you're, you're bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What have you been doing, Ryan? Um, you know, uh, I've just been, just been, just been working. Like I fall into that boring kind of category Jason's been in. We're kind of messing around on the gun belt with mm-hmm. some, some equipment rules mm-hmm. that we're, we're piddling with. I don't know what's going to come of them, but, uh, I think you're on the right track and we had a long discussion with Ashley and then he threw up afterwards. So right. that was really good. He was very oh, nervous. No. Well, you know, he's, he's a cool guy and he's really smart, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's the he's definitely the mechanics guy. Like I'm the he approaches mechanics like a game developer who's like I want to mechanic the hell out of this because it's amazing. Let's do it right. And I approach it from the player side, and I'm like I don't want to remember all that shit. Stop. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so so when we come together though, we typically end up with just the right amount. So you know what? One of the things we you've been heavily critical of like Bonnet Studios' uh, version of Werewolf. Sure. And uh, one criticism I explicitly agree with you on is there's too much mechanics. Nine hundred pages is too much for a rule book. Yes. I mean, I we've played systems before that had multiple splat books right. that did not reach the page count of that mm-hmm. one book. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I understand. So how many pages do we think Gun Belt's going to be? Three thousand. <laughs> no, it's not exalted. Uh, that book is famously larger than the Werewolf book. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it's oh, so much stuff. I haven't actually. I don't actually have it because the Kickstarter for the one book was a hundred bucks. I thought you were going to say because I can't lift it. Uh, I don't have this book because I cannot physically lift it. Was it uh, GURPS or Hero System that was famously so thick it would stop a twenty-two bullet? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it was oh. one or the other. And now they're, it's normal for role-playing books to be that big. Yuck. It's so weird. <laughs> you know, we could do a whole episode on how publishing has changed and a lot of the books are getting way bigger and some of them are getting way smaller. Right. It is kind of interesting. We're, we've got a bunch of a bunch of role playing role playing books are starting to become either like Encyclopedia Britannicas or yes. they're becoming uh, one page. Dig- digests. Yeah, absolutely. Little digest books. Hey, and one page RPGs are really big right That's now. A thing. Yeah, yeah. And though some of them are up to like seven or eight pages, but it's still the same principle. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, speaking of principles, we need to uphold ours. Do we have any? No. Mm. Oh, maybe we should get some. Uh, okay. I'm counting good. I do what I want. Mm. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to um, combat rounds. Combat rounds. Is that rounds. what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Sure. We'll call okay. it that. Welcome to combat rounds. It's time for me to talk like I'm in a radio. <laughs> so there. So there. This week, our topic is going to be hopefully a little more exciting than last week's. I don't know. I, I don't even remember what last I week's know, topic I was. <laughs> I just always hope that the next one is better than the last. I, yeah, okay. I ho- always hope that the next one is the one that's going to knock it out of the park and change both podcasting and role playing. I always hope that the next my career. I was, I always hope that the next one is going to be the one that Jason listens to. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to about half the episodes. Do you mean no, by yeah. half the ones or just half of an episode? Like the first 30 minutes of oh, each episode? Uh, I meant both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, I'm on, if like, it's both, then it turns into a quarter of all of them? Well, no, uh, uh, because I listened to um, I listened to the last episode about, no, not the last, last episode, but the one about uh, advertising. I listened mm-hmm. to the first of that two-parter, uh, and I listened to the first 45 minutes because that's how long it took me to get to work that day. Okay. And then this new audiobook I got just dropped, so I'm listening to that now. <laughs> it's really good. It's almost over. It was relatively short. Good times. Good times. What's our topic today? I don't know. You pick all the topics. Our topic is planning your plot arcs. <laughs> or we could call it plot arc planning. Either one is good. Yeah, I, I, I think the second one is yeah. better. So it's we've harder talked- to say, though. Yeah, but planning your, planning your plot arcs. Say it! No. <laughs> so we've talked about writing plots before. Right. But in this one, we're going to talk more about like big plots, like your plot over the arc of of a year. If it's, like, say, a, a LARP or if it's um, a tabletop game, maybe seven or eight sessions or longer. longer. Uh, but how long do mush plot arcs usually last? How does that usually work? It, I mean, it, just like anything else, it can last, you know, a month. It can last a year. Do you think it's m- similar to tabletop or LARP? Probably more similar to LARP. Because they're a little bit open-ended about when they're going to resolve? Yeah. yeah. With a tabletop or a LARP game, you have a scheduled time when you play it. And so you're playing once a week, and you play mm-hmm. for that time, and then when it's over, you're done. But with a mush, I mean, you might play one, play a scene every day or a couple of scenes every day. Okay, that's fair. Or you might play once a week. Mm-hmm. And so the, the reality is it's harder to say, 
amount of time on a mush. It's more accurate to say like amount you of know, scenes. A good a good plot could be four or five scenes. Okay, but do you have big overarching plots too? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the the mush that I just closed down. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a big. You know, it was kind of like the, the idea was that there was this mysterious thing that was. Uh, throwing things from the past and the future into the town. Right. Um, and that was the This over- is the superhero mark? No, no, no this no. is the... Um, lost and found. Yeah, lost and found. And, um, and so that overarching plot had several smaller plots in sure. it. And it was actually never even resolved. That's not that unusual. Yeah, you know, I mean, that happens. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, I mean, like, it can go for as short or as long as you want. So when you're thinking about these larger plots that span multiple games, uh, there are kind of, I think that they kind of come apart into three types. At least that's how we've broken them down. So I would I would say that the first one, and though, like, it's a little, you know, repeating yourself, the first one is driven by a plot. Like, you know, we say a lot of movies and books the plot's stronger than the characters because I think the plot's more important. Story. Since we're talking about plots, it might be better to call it say it's story driven. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Okay. Absolutely, I agree. Then it's not confusing. No, it's not confusing, dude. <laughs> and since we're the experts, we can really create whatever nomenclature we want. That's oh right. We we'll just nail it down forever. <laughs> so when I make one like this, I create an outline usually. When you create a story-driven plot, yes, because I have certain. Do you remember that when story-driven plots used to be called uh, plot-driven plots, and then, <laughs> and then we just changed it right in the middle of the episode <laughs> because we can do that. Those were good times. He's so sleepy. I know. <laughs> I know. This is gonna. So you start for a story-driven plot. You actually start with an outline, right? A lot. One of the things I do when I'm a, like if I'm running a LARP troop or a uh, game uh, tabletop that's going to last years mm-hmm. is I'll try to create one big plot that covers the that's the the central story of the game like the theme of the game the theme right and it might be like defeat the huge bad guy right that's sure. that's a pretty generic example and but then okay. I'll have like uh, six or seven plots that are going to fill in the spaces like maybe once a year I'm going to try to do this one and then next year it's going to be this one and you know of course I try to be as flexible as possible but you know, you kind of want to, uh, to 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 have points that the people can hit, and then you want them to have decision points within it to allow for their, their player choice. So it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure? Uh, like, absolutely. They're going to end up on page 60, but how many different other landing places they end up at between right. now and then is up to the decisions they make. You know, a lot of uh, computer role-playing games use this. Like, maybe the game's all going to the same place. No matter no matter what, you're going to have the big battle at the end, and it's going to be at this place with these people, but, like... But it's up to the players to decide if they choose to do the side adventures or not. Right. And oh, side quests. Side quests. And also, if I do these side quests, or if I make these decisions, who's going to be on the side opposing me, and who's going to be on my side, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and there's always a possibility you can avert the whole thing, maybe, right. if you make different decisions. And I think what's important when you're writing a role-playing game plot, regardless of what it's for, is to make sure that those decisions aren't necessarily better or worse. They're just different. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, you made the goblins mad, and so they're going to fight against you, but that made the gnomes love you. So maybe they're going to help you. And make it a little more complicated than just like, well, you had your shot at this ally, and you you made the wrong choices. So you don't want... Play to be well, player, optimized. Players want to feel like their decisions matter, and that's extremely and, important. And affect what is going on. Mm-hmm. So even if you've outlined this whole plot, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, you've got to be able to let that go a little bit or move things around in Absolutely. that outline to, you know, make sure that your players are are enjoying themselves. I think story driven plot is also kind of an old old school sort yeah. of thing. Right? You know, it's a uh, Story-driven plot very much is kind of like what I grew up on. It's the whole collaborative native. Yeah. I, you know I, what I mean? Like us collaborative immigrants, like the games that we used to play years ago, uh, when I walked uphill to D&D both directions. <laughs> uh, With no shoes. You know, it was the, the, the dungeon master was driving the, he was driving the story car. Yes. You know? And and, and our decisions mattered, but... Right. How, you, how you got to the next point on the outline was completely up to the players, but eventually you were going to end up there. 
And you could change it sometimes. Yeah, but like the circumstances that are surround you arriving can be completely different. But mm-hmm. eventually, you're going to end up there no matter what. It would be kind of like this. So if this was Star Wars, right, a story-driven plot is, I know that the Empire is creating a Death Star, and they're going to go, and they need to blow up a planet to make everybody afraid of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Now, based on the player choices, that planet might be Alderaan. Or maybe that plan planet will be someplace else. You know, it just ha- the player of Leia just happened to work things out, so it ended up being Alderaan. <laughs> Way nice to go, plan. Leia! Yeah, but so, you know, so you know, you're going to get to like I know that in this plot, we're going to get to to uh, like step two is they're going to demonstrate the full power of this battle station, right? right. Uh, where they dis- where they display that at is really going to be up to what the players do. So there is a big advantage to this. Like one of the biggest problems, like Game of Thrones, people complained that they did not stick the landing. Right. If you have a climax planned, you can stick the landing if you are careful. You have a better chance of sticking the landing. Yes. Right. Because you know and you can think about, how do I want this to look? How do I want this to play out? Right. What needs to happen? You, you've had a year to plan. Right. So a story-driven television show would be Avatar The Last Airbender. Because it had a place it was going from they day one. They knew, no matter what, where they were they were going to end with defeating the, the Fire Nation mm-hmm. and bringing peace to the world. And there were steps along the way they knew they had to get to, but how they got there was... Was irrelevant, right? And so when you're playing in one of those games, it can it can it can be great because you have this big battle at the end, and you or you have this confrontation, or you you can have an emotional moment because it's pre-planned. As long as they give you enough choice to make it feel emotionally right. impacting, yeah. Now, what is there a bad side to a story-driven plot? Absolutely. You said there's only one destination. So mm-hmm. how do you get to a place that you've only got one destination? Well, you get on the railroad. <laughs> you have to be extra careful to make sure that players are still feel like they have a choice. And of course, the best way to make sure they still feel like they have a choice is to make sure that they have choices. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's ultimately two methods, and one of them I like to call magician's choice because magician's choice says uh, whichever hand I pick, the magician's fine with because he's going to be like. Uh, well, this hand is not where it is, and that's because you picked it. Or he's going to say, well, the coin was there because you picked it. He will force a choice on you that feels real but is not. But the reality is he can put that coin in whatever hand he wants. And he makes it feel like you chose, but you didn't actually have a choice. And, of course, the second much better and more difficult way is to say, oh, well, they did get to choose. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. You always talk about the bus. Do you want to talk about the bus for a minute? Bonus experience, another podcast obviously listen to us first (laughs) did them but it's really good and they have this thing that they call the bus ticket where you tell the players either in game or out hey there's this cool political plot i want to run over here and maybe you say it by saying you've got a messenger from this kingdom and these people want to talk to you and you know there's going to be this big party and then you'd sell the players on the idea that sounds like that'd be fun to go do yeah right but they get to pick because you can, st- they can still decide, no, you know what? We really want to go fight the Goblin Kingdom that we've been dealing with forever. Mm-hmm. And then something that they say also is, and maybe that winds up on the cutting room floor. Like, I didn't, I didn't run that, so I'm going to take those notes and put them back for later. And maybe I'll do it again later, but that's okay. Right. What's the next one? The next kind of plot? Character plot. That's kind of a carry expertise. Character-driven plot? Yeah. I'm, okay. Well, I really, so like the way I wrote these. It was the way I said character, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You're like, clearly she knows what Well, when I wrote this, I thought about how you run a game. And it's Mm -hmm. also kind of like a Powered by the Apocalypse thing. Mm -hmm. You come with NPCs and organizations. Yeah. And then you just make decisions based on their motivation, based on what the players do. Yeah. Because that's that's really a carry thing. Character driven is. uh, I'm the only one that does that. Well, no, (laughs) everything. But, like, that's what your expertise is. Sure, okay. <laughs> like, Ryan is definitely a story guy. Because yeah. he's got a story he wants to tell. Yes. Right. And it feels like when you tell a story, you have people you want them to meet. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And organizations you want them to interact with. Oh, yeah. To be fair, though, it's not 
when we say character driven plot, we don't mean it's driven by the characters in Carrie's head, though. It's really driven. Yeah. It's really about the characters being played by the players. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I think it's fair to say instead of saying it's driven by the PCs, it's driven by characters because characters are both PCs and NPCs. But okay. the NPCs are not as important as the PCs. Absolutely. Well, you have to say that sometimes. Well, I do want to make it clear, that especially in this style of play. In every style of play, the PCs should be the most important. Yes. Uh, which is trickier in LARP and probably in Mush because you've got large groups that yeah. all want to be the hero. Right. Yeah. Even if they're trying not to be, everybody really sort of wants to be we all, we all wanna the star. Kill, we all want to kill the dragon and save the princess. That's right. <sighs> Character, so, the, the actions of the characters is is really the driving force. Yes. So it's not about getting them to the next step on your outline. It's about getting them to the next phase of, of their growth and development. I think so. Sometimes. Yeah, it's it's about letting the story follow them. They, they really are dictating, you know, I think we should go deal with the goblins. Right. So that's And then as, as a game runner, you go with that. Immediately, like you don't go. Yeah, but they really need you over here at this political party, right? <clears throat> but you yeah. might introduce a politician NPC that's really fun to a role play with, right? Yeah, and then the characters are choosing to interact with the character right. and just follow it because it's so awesome. Or they kidnap him and bring him along to the goblins. Like you never know. <laughs> you never know what that's characters true. are going to do. So one of the things I say in Powered by the Apocalypse games is always uh, I'm. As the person running the game, I'm playing to see what happens. And it's that sort of theory that you're you don't have a plan, you have you have threats. You have uh You have NPCs. a world you've built. You have a world. Yeah. And you're playing to see what they do with it. Mm-hmm. I always feel like with a with a character driven plot, it's kind of like uh, you have you have a plot stick. You have a stick, mm-hmm. and you just sort of toss it into the middle of the table, <laughs> and then you step back and, and you let wait it happen. To see what are they going to do with the stick? Are they going to pick it up? Or are they going to throw it away? Are they, what are they going to do? Like, yeah. Um, and, and I will say for anyone that's running a game, it is super frustrating when you go. I've got this is my favorite plot stick. I'm so proud of this. Right. And you put it on the table, and your players go, eh, eh. Eh, and it happens. And what you've got to do is just pick up that plot stick like the baby it is, and you put it back in the cradle, and you wait till you have players that appreciate it. <laughs> but you don't put, you don't tell them that though. No, no, no. You have to be like, well, y'all didn't deal with that. That's okay. <laughs> because you know what? In five games, you may bring it back again and hit him over the head with it. And no. well, no, but so you know what? Maybe you shouldn't have kidnapped that politician. Because that party he was supposed to go to ended poorly, and now war is happening. But that's not story driven, or well, it is if they've. It's character driven. It's character driven because yeah. it's what the NPCs make sense for them to do, right, exactly. and the player's action dictated mm-hmm. that that went poorly. Mm-hmm. Character driven is very much the way a lot of long running chronicle LARPs are run. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's really fun in the moment, month to month. It's also the one in which you try to describe it to somebody, and they're like, what? <laughs> that just sounds terrible. Well, you know what? You know, we were talking about Avatar, The Last Airbender, being a good example of a story-driven television show. Mm-hmm. So a good character-driven sto- television show would be Seinfeld. Right. right? Well, okay, let's... Good. The, the, let's hey, look, because we all don't like Seinfeld. Everybody yeah. else in the world does. It's so, but it's a strong example of this. Of characters, yeah. They're like... The, the writers are like, okay... Here's the stick. This stick is a guy who serves soup, and he's mean. And then they just tosses it down, and he waits to see what, what the character what they do. do. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then you end up with thirty minutes, you know, about the what they call him, the soup Nazi, right? Right. Yeah. And everybody goes crazy, and what they do, and the responses, right? And at no point is there ever really a story at yeah. all. No, ever. But it's just what they're doing. It, I don't think there's actually ever soup either. Is there? There is soup. Is there? I mean, do they actually get it? Uh, one or yeah, they get it. That's how they know how good it is. Well, I don't right? know. Yeah, you should have watched. I this don't episode. watch. It's the, one of the better episodes. But but every single episode of Seinfeld is character driven in that way. They're yeah. like, okay, there aren't they're they're in a parking garage, and so there's no bathrooms, and one of them has to pee. Go. Yeah, and that's the whole episode, and that's so, the whole story. Yeah. So would you say that most like sitcoms are like that? Except for I would special say, Friday night well, ones. <laughs> I would say traditional old school three camera 
sitcoms tend to, tended to be that way. Like Three's Company. Right. Very yes. much. I would even say that shows like Community, I mean, there's a story there, but it's really about what the characters are doing with each other Community's in the framework of the story. A little more complex. I know you love it and think it's the best show ever. No. It's good. I, I, I agree it's good. I think Community is much more complicated than that, though. Okay. I also think it falls into the next category we're going to talk about. That's today. fair. That's fair. So, uh, what are the what are the downsides of of a character driven plot? Well, it's up to the characters. It is up to the characters. <laughs> like that's so. If you have a bunch of unmotivated players, yeah, it's really or hard. they're they're not or not experienced enough to know what to do, or they are experienced and they're they're more interested in whatever personal story they're telling than they are in. Having a resolution that's interesting for everybody, and and the problem is, it's difficult as a storyteller to kind of mush all that together and turn it into something really good. So that makes climaxes difficult to make satisfying, and it's something I struggled with when I run a big game. Is because you know I really like character plots week to week, you know, but then it's hard to say. Okay, so they've done this, this, and this, and this. How can I turn this into something that feels satisfying in the resolution that has a big climax that everybody's looking for? Right. I mean, Seinfeld ended with them just going to jail and it being kind of a joke on the whole series, which was funny, but it was really, I mean, was it satisfying? No, it was, it was just an episode. Clever is different than satisfying. Absolutely. It was clever, but it, it, didn't feel like a big ending. Right. I feel like when you've got a character-driven story, too, sometimes it can just get lost. It's like, easy to get lost in the weeds, it, isn't it? It can just meander and end up not with plot. It's just, we're just going through the world reacting to it. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that can be made even worse if you've got like a lot of... You know, if you've got a lot of collaborative immigrants in your game, you end up with people who are like, come on, just give me a freaking clue so I know where to go. Yeah. Now, I I have read the opposite it can be true, where if someone is really big into collaborative games, they need someone to signal what's supposed to happen next so they know what to do. Like, I want to collaborate with you and help you make it happen, so throw me a cookie? Yeah, tell me what to do here. And Interesting. And, and so I've met people who were... Uh, traditional American, what you would call uh, collaborative immigrants, uh, role players from like D&D and uh, Boffer LARPs that are story-based, right? Right. And they go to Europe or they play in a freeform game in the United States and they're like, well, I accidentally ran the whole thing because I was the only one who just took charge and did whatever I wanted. Right. right. Whereas the people who are trying to collaborate, they're always looking for a clue from the storyteller or the staff or other players to tell them, what am I supposed to be building towards? What's next? Right. And so sometimes they have trouble with that. And while I haven't experienced it myself because I can't afford to fly to Europe and play in a whole bunch of those games, uh, I have had friends who have went, and that's their biggest complaint, is that it's difficult to know what to do next if no one's telling you. (laughs) <laughs> All right. That's that makes sense. It's also really hard if everyone's not playing the same plot. I get what you're saying. Like, like not everybody's like, on the same page. Well, like, and I know Ryan and I have that hard problem because Ryan very much is plot driven. Yes. And so he's like, let's go do the next thing. Let's do, you know, like, let's figure this out. Like, even at LARPs, I'm always like, how did you do so much? Because he's always like, chicka, 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 well, I do have this 100-page notebook. Well, that's it. With every but, um, hint and clue for the last you know, five and, years. And, like, and I'll be like, I cried in a corner. Yeah. You know, and, and it's they're both awesome role plays. I didn't have any more fun than you did. Right, right. You know, it's just very different. Yeah. So it's tricky to uh, – play styles are hard to, to mesh together, especially mm-hmm. when you have uh, – like we, of course, our experience mostly is World of Darkness games where people attack them from extreme different angles. Right. And mm-hmm. they get mad when the other people aren't doing it the way they want to do it. <laughs> so you're talking about crying in a corner. Let's talk about oh. drama-driven that's like That's like my number two game. So that's sort of like character-driven, but it's a little different. It's more emotion-driven. I like that, yes. Yeah. So one of the things that I like to do mm-hmm. is stir shit up in a game as a storyteller. <laughs> like and I as do, a player. And as a player. Okay. Like what's the thing that's going to get the most emotions churning? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't 100% make sense with the plot or with the NPC. Would he make this decision or would she do this thing? But I know that if I do it, that it'll get people stirred up and they'll be like, oh, <laughs> how dare they? <laughs> in one of the first 
big plots I've ever ran for a LARP that I was running. Yeah. I made an NPC. It was for a werewolf game. Right. And I made a NPC kinfolk wolf. Like, so it was oh, just yeah. this cute little wolf I cub. I just wanted to do that. And I played this little baby wolf cub just about, like, five minutes every game. Like, would just come up and would be like, rub, rub, you know, like, it would just be like, you know, tail wagging, happy to see everyone. And... You just stirred shit up constantly? I did. Well, because what I did was I emotionally... This was my emotionally driven thing. I made all of my players fall in love with this little baby. Like, they were like, he's our... Our mascot, and he's so wonderful, Carrie, and he's great. If yeah. I'm, I know your script, and that meant you murdered that dog. Oh, I murdered it so bad. <laughs> I, but So the bad guy ended up being like a, a Frankenstein monster thing that he was taking kinfolk and making. Did it have that wolf's head it, or something? Yeah, for a hand. Oh! And like the players were, were so emotional about it. Yes. Like they became... Like, they weren't even thinking as their characters. They were just upset. They were just mad, and they were like, we have to kill this thing. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And they're like, no, Carrie, we have to kill this. We cannot go to the next scene. <laughs> and I was like, oh. oh. So there is a little bit of a warning, like, be careful when it's, you do. It can be dangerous. And when you do emotional stuff, because, I mean, people will get emotional. <laughs> so I had a storyteller several years ago that uh, we played in a werewolf game. Werewolf leans into this very well sometimes. Well, yeah. It's, it's an because, emotional game. Well, it's because there's so much rage. You have to yeah. balance it out with positive, or not positive, but... Uh, you have to give them something to rage for. Yeah, something to rage for. Right. Yeah. And so we had an attack on the Karen, which, mm-hmm. like, it was rare. Like, this wasn't like somebody's throwing us at it every week. Okay, yeah. And so we had, of course, a big, like house on the cairn where all the kinfolk who needed a place to live lived sure. and a lot of the kids and stuff Ooh. and they hit that first <sighs> and we had people you know, their characters running into the flames and carrying out you know role playing like they're carrying out these yeah uh, injured injured kinfolk. Uh, uh, kinfolk and they are weeping Mm-hmm. And they are no longer playing their characters. They are upset. Yeah. Because these are kids that they have been attached to for years. Yeah. And some of them have known these kids for three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. And they have become like their own children almost. Yeah. Even if they're now adults. You know what I mean? And the storyteller had to stop the game and make an announcement that everyone was saved. Yeah. Because people were losing their minds. Mm-hmm. And I, I got it because... They had become emotionally connected to this, and that was the button he could push to really tear people up. And then we, you know, we, of course, we went crazy and murdered all those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, That's like a whole a other thing. podcast. Yeah. yeah. So, like, this stuff can be really good, but, but you have to be a little more careful, like you said. Yeah. You have to handle things a little bit with kick gloves sometimes. I will say this. Like, I've learned a lot since I ran that plot. Sure. You know, because, like, I, I was a brand new storyteller. And right. I was like, ha, 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 look at this. And then, like, afterward, I looked at my other storyteller and I went, did I, did I go too far? Was it too much? Was it a little too much? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, well, it's for the group. You have to do it for the right group. Oh, right. Yeah. So just know your players when you're when you're doing a emotional-driven plot. Know your players. And, like, when we were running a lot of the big games for the org, we knew mm-hmm. there was four or five people who were there for feels. Yes. And so whenever we could, we threw them something like this mm-hmm. to give them something to cry over. And they loved it. For uh, me, the the problem with with drama and emotion-driven plot uh, is that it, it just exhausts me. Absolutely. Like, yeah. There isn't – I know that there's a lot of people who, especially with LARP, like, you know, there's a lot of people who, who LARP because they want bleed. You know, they want to ex- feel all the feels and stuff. But – uh, for me, you know, there. This is my hobby, and hobbies are things I do for fun. And it's not fun for you to cry. Well, no, I'm not saying it's not fun for me to cry. But if I cry too much, I'm, I'm wasted. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't want to come home exhausted from my hobby. I'm going to tell you something else. As a person who's run these plots, you can get exhausted too, and you can also. It's difficult, like Carrie was talking about, to measure where the point is. Because, yeah. like, for example, if you are running for a person who focuses on plots a whole lot, 
and and you just throw everything at him like you know your kids are dead the yeah. you know uh, your wife fell off a building while she was trying to rescue you your and it car may, has a flat tire yeah. it may take you everything to get to them uh, and then there's this other person that you can run of something much more I know subtle yeah and, and they'll be that that's all they need right and also maybe that guy who prefers plot is not going to appreciate it. Yeah, you, maybe you'll get to him and he'll be upset. And maybe he even say they enjoyed it. But at the end of the day, that's not what he's there for. Right. So you have to be careful who you target things that are about emotional content. Sure. At. Now, I'm gonna, the, the television example, of course, obviously, the, the simple television example is think about soap operas, right? Right. Yeah. But, but a more com- <laughs> I'm going to give a complicated example. Okay, let's hear your complicated example. The television show Lost. Now, everyone's going to think that Lost really is character-driven or plot-driven, but it's not. It's not, is it? They didn't know where that show was going. They were making it up as they went, and the goal each week was to put the characters in a situation that ramped the events up a little bit more every week for six years or whatever the show ran, right? And it also demonstrates the problem, one of the, it's not a problem, but one of the places where uh, an emotion or drama-driven plot can go wrong is that uh, it's easy to fall into this trap of having to make every week bigger than the last. Yeah. And then eventually, it doesn't matter anymore, and you can't stick the landing no matter what it is. Yeah, you know, a lot of television shows and a lot of LARPs I've played in fall into <laughs> this problem of, oh, I've saved the world ten times, guys. Mm-hmm. You can no longer threaten me. There are There is an element of... Uh, any sort of repetitive, and you know that's the thing is most. Let's be honest, most stories are not strictly any one of these three things. Oh yeah, no, they're all most always a stories have a combination, right? But but the pitfalls of each of them can also hit in multiple combinations. Oh yeah, a lot of people talk about like in the, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. They're like they're over it. Like how many times can they save the world? Like it's so big every time. It's bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And like there are a lot of people who have talked about how uh, Endgame. Is their stepping off point. Right. Well, they've I mean, saved the universe. Right. Time to stop. Yeah. And we've I've heard that from a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Many of whom are even comic book fans. You know, it's time to step off. And that's because the drama-driven piece of the MCU has wore folks out. Right. Because they've had to top themselves over and over again. Right. It was actually now, my biggest char- problem with Age of Ultron was I'm like, oh, this is just like the previous adventure movie, but, but times robots. five. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the character-driven piece of the MCU is what's going to make all of those people still see just the Spider-Man movies. Or they're going <laughs> to see the Spider-Man movie, and they're going to be like, also oh. this guy. And you're like, oh, I do want to see what happens with that guy, like, too. All of these things piece together, though, in, but, in certain okay, ways. Okay, but if we're going to use that that stuff for example, I would like to point out, you know, like we were talking, you because know, you and I actually had this conversation uh, when Guardians of the Galaxy first came out. Mm-hmm. We were like, they literally saved the galaxy because, you know, at that point, yes. that was the biggest thing that had been saved at the mm-hmm. time. We're like, how are they going to top saving the galaxy in the right. next one? And they actually completely went the other way. And it wasn't the next movie wasn't. I mean, well, it was. They did save a whole bunch of stuff, but it was but, not what the movie was. But about. that's not what it was about. And that's how you that's how you kind of reset when you're doing drama or emotional base. You have to pivot. Yeah, you pivot and you go the exact opposite way. Right. You know so what? This Guardi- next story is about one guy saving one guy's soul. Yes, right. absolutely. So Guardians of the Galaxy 1 was about saving the universe, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was about saving one man's uh, emotional connection to his father. Yeah. And discovering who that father actually was. Oh, absolutely. That's so good. Yeah. Right. That's great, isn't it? Oh, it's so good. That, that hit all of Marty's emotional buttons. Oh, yeah. So- yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, you have one movie that's about the galaxy, and then the next one's about Mary Poppins. Oh, that's right. Right. So, so let's talk about kind of just some some general sort of thoughts and advice about planning plot arcs. Then. So the best thing that I've ever heard was, uh, you know, there's this YouTube video where John Wick gives a pretty a speech that he gives a lot, and it's about how that. Uh, to make it clear, not the guy who kills people over. <laughs> Jason, but the game Jason's designer. talking about. There's a game designer named John Wick. He created uh, Seven C. 
and a, and a, <laughs> several other things. And he's super talented. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, especially about talking about running games. And right. so he talks about how that you don't run a game for the characters in your game. You run a game for the characters and the players. And that seems obvious, but like for example, if you want to freak somebody out in your table and you know they're mildly uh, scared of spiders, yeah. maybe you include a spider. Even yeah. though the character might not be freaked out, they will be a little upset. Now, conversely, if you know this person is terrified of spiders, you don't include them because right. it's not going to allow them to play their character because they're going to be too focused on their personal fear. Right. So there's a balance. Can, can you make it spider clowns? Is that okay then? No! Oh! Sorry. From space. From space. So we need to be aware of what what they like and don't like as characters and what they don't like and like as players. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Know your your players. That's really... Absolutely. And and you can lean into that. You know things that they like to encounter. You know their fears. You know their likes. You know the things that they want to experience. Right. For example, I I like games in which I get to be heroic sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't need it every week, but I like to have a moment where I get to save the day. Yeah. So a good storyteller would recognize that in me and want to hit that. And they would also know that maybe uh, Ryan wants to have a clever plan or Carrie wants to meet somebody who's super interesting. And they would make all those things work out. Mm-hmm. And those are just generic examples that are probably I would, true. I would like to meet someone interesting, yes. Yeah. It's for a change. It's never just happened at a game. Never happened at a game. I'm, no, I'm just talking in general yeah. in life. And, you know, we like with mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. My Marty loves the second movie. She, The first one is great. Yeah, the first she one's loves good. the second one because it's all about family that you choose and fathers. And that hits a bunch of buttons for her. Mm-hmm. And that made her love that one better better than the first one, while well, I prefer the first one. Right. Right. Yeah. It's important to check the boxes, but also try not to be obvious that you've got a list mm-hmm. whose, no. whose yeah. boxes you're checking. <laughs> right. Right. That's that's a dance as ne- well. Never say the thing you're doing. <laughs> right. You just, just do it. it. Do right. it and make it look interesting. And, and that leads into the next thing is you've got to keep your details straight and that means notes, Ugh, or yeah. or if you record it, record notes on your phone, or you, uh, you know, you you use a program to to type things in after game, or maybe you maybe you actually record the game on your cell phone. Although I would say that if you're going to do that, make sure Tell your people. players are all aware. Um, you know, like there are if you have a perfect memory or something, then that's fine. You know, but but you've that's not keep, most people keep that in mind. Right, <laughs> you've got to keep the details straight and do whatever it is you've got to do to make that happen. What also is really good if um, if you have a co a co storyteller or co game, you know, talk after game right away. Absolutely. You know, what did and, you do? Yeah, what did you do? Is your NPC named Bob again? You right. know, like you know, like make sure that those are all clear. And I'm my a, NPCs are always named Bob. You know, I'm a big fan of when you've got a, a long running game, uh, especially if this is more of a tabletop. Sure. Thing, is I like to always pick somebody in the group to be like the official, like you're the guy or the girl who is always going to jot down the important stuff. Like, oh, I, do this, like, yeah. cool. I do this as a player too, not just as a storyteller, but if I'm in a, if I'm a, a player in a game and there's five of us as players, like I, I'll be like, Hey, one of us needs to be the person who is, who is keeping notes. So like when we encounter that rogue barbarian in the middle of nowhere, who gave us that thing, somebody needs to jot his name down. That way, if, if we come back to him later, we, we remember who, who Bob was. Right. You know, and that's really a kind thing to do for your game runner. <laughs> also, yeah. I'm going to say yeah. this as a storyteller. If you run into a situation where you had that barbarian and then like a year later that guy comes back and he remember and you remember exactly what he did and details about him, those players will be blown away. Right. Yeah. If you nail what that person was like or if you give them something and then a year later, you're like, here's how this thing matters. This is why all of my NPCs in uh, in the vampire game mm-hmm. were always people I went to high school with. So you could remember their base personality because I, easily. Because I knew when I, when, I run, when I run this guy, he is the way that guy was when I was in high school. And so it's really easy for me to just quickly go, you know, they walk up to me and they go, hey... We're here to see that NPC you ran last week. You know, Jason Hughes. And I'm like, oh, right. Okay. He's like this. I know how Jason Hughes so is. So I can yell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? But it, but it, it, 
it doesn't all that doesn't always work. Obviously, you can't have Jason Hughes be the the goblin that they meet when they're Don't, in water. Yeah, deep, absolutely, you right? can do that. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, like uh, the advantage to that secret in in World of Darkness is that the World of Darkness takes place in in modern times, and so it's a little easier to do. But there are other tricks that are similar to that, though, that you could you could do. Yeah, yeah or absolutely. just keep notes. Mm-hmm. You know, when I played in Chris Spivey's uh, Harlem Unbound game, he recorded the whole thing, and he told me that he records every single game he plays for two reasons. One, it helps him keep things straight, but also because he can listen back and review what he did and determine whether it was a good decision or not. Right? Yeah. I know that one of the things that I do when we run uh, play tests of the gun belt right. is I keep – because I've got – for example, there is one adventure that I have ran – more than the other scenarios that I've done. It's your go-to. And every time that I do that one, I always make notes of where, you know, because at some point somebody takes it in a direction I didn't expect. Right. And I always make a note of it so that I know either to plan for it to go that way if it goes that way. Right. Or know what single additional detail I need to drop to sort of lure the players into making a decision that's closer to where I need it to go. Sure. Okay. You know, which applies, it sounds a little bit like railroading, but we're also talking about play testing, which means I have one session that I need to test mechanics on, so I need certain things to happen. Also, so I am sort of railroading a little. Well, no, I mean, but it's just, it's... It's story-driven. It's yeah, steering. you're steering it, and, and it's story-driven. Yeah. We're talking about a box adventure, sort of. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, this is pre-written, whether you pre-wrote it or not. Right. That's the goal. Is eventually we're probably going to use that as like one of the one of the free adventures that comes like in the back of the book or something. Sure. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the point is, though, those notes like really help, and and they people just need to keep them. Keep, keep them, notes. Keep your notes. Good storytellers right. keep notes. Good well, players keep notes. Yeah, nice. and it, I'd, I'd like to point out too uh, for mushes, mm-hmm. like what's really nice about mushes is most scenes that you run end up on the wiki, mm-hmm. so you can always go back and find that. That seems like a really huge strength of mushes is that you can go back and look at everything. Well, it's neat because like if you, if you join a mush that's been going on for a while, you're like, there's five years of scenes up. And you can read a bunch of that if you and want to. And you can to. read it all if you wanted to. Yeah, that's cool. One of the nice things about it too is that if you're a um if you're a lot of a lot of people play multiple characters in the same mush. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a thing. So you can keep it straight. And so it enables you to keep it straight or sometimes because you're playing three characters in in the world, mm-hmm. sometimes it can be difficult to just remember a detail from a scene that happened 3 weeks ago. Who did that happen well, to? Well, no, you remember Which one? you remember who it happened to, but I don't remember we were we were at a restaurant, but I don't remember what kind of restaurant it was because oh. I've been at a restaurant with all three of my characters in the past week, but mm-hmm. one was pizza one was Chinese and one was Italian. Right. Which one was it with them? That way I know when it comes up, I can be eating the leftovers from that meal. You know, or whatever it was. That's a really stupid example. But no, 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 but, but I get the it. point is you're able to go back and reference things and yeah. you've kept notes. That's why a lot of my LARP characters, you know, you made a joke earlier about yeah. how my, my Ratkin. You always keep right notes, now, yes. My Ratkin's got a notebook. And, and of course, I write the notes in character, so the spelling's terrible. And it's more pictures than notes. Uh, you know, more pictures than writings. But when I need to remember something, that's where it's at. That's where I put it. Mm-hmm. And it's an in-character notebook. Uh, now, you probably don't need to do an in-character notebook for a tabletop game, necessarily. I mean, maybe you do. On, maybe it depends on how how in, you know, how know immersive your tabletop game is. But but the point is, I think notes are, are super important. For everybody. So I think I've got two more big points. Oh. And uh, the first one is... Number one! You should run plots that you like. As I mean, a storyteller? As a storyteller. Because, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, right? But if you really love complicated... Uh, what what do we call them? Plot driven? No. Story driven. Story driven plots. That's what you should focus on. You should learn other techniques, obviously, because if you want to be an expert in any field, you need to learn as much as you can about all of it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's okay to specialize in one thing, and if you're really good at it, people will appreciate it for that. I feel like the secret to all of this is be good at one of these and open to allowing the others to just happen at your table. Or pick, like you said, be good at one and then use the other two to make that one better. For example, if you're really good at story and so you have these really cool, interesting, intricate dungeons and then you use your emotional hooks 
to get the people invested in going there, it'll make the climax better. Man, you should be a national storyteller for a LARP organization. Well, I would love to if any of them are hiring for money. (laughs) (laughs) What's your second point? My second point is, as the storyteller, be a fan of the players and their characters. It is hard to be energetic and run a game that you don't like. Absolutely. And if you're not fans... I've never done that. I have loved every game I've ever run. You're full of shit. I am. Absolutely <laughs> full of shit. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I used to run a lot of AD&D uh, for... I like, had ADD too when yes. I was a kid, but I, my doctor prescribed something. I thought you said your dad beat it out of you. Well, that too. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, <laughs> some weeks I was totally burnt out, but everybody expected to... Well, we're, it's Tuesday, we're playing. Right. Though, that game was like... Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was we played like, all the time, yeah. and I was like, "Fuck, I don't have anything." And I would just flip through the monster manual, randomly pick something, run a game based on that, and uh, it got miserable after a while. I was just too burnt out. And if you're miserable, your players will be miserable. They know. Mm-hmm. And part of it is I'd stop being a fan of the game, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "I'm, I, I want to run something because that's what I've told everybody I'm going to do." Right. And I was no longer a fan of the players or the characters or the plots that I had run or any of it. Yeah. So find ways to stay invested. And if you're not, stop. Yeah. I have two points. What's your two points? My first point is... That it's cold in here, and that's why you're pointing at me. No. Okay, go ahead. First point, players need to become good at pursuing one of these three types of plots. The and one be, they like. And be open to the others happening naturally in-game. Yeah. I like it. And the second one is be a fan of your dungeon master. What? And the story that they want to tell. Because if they're telling a story that they love, your story is going to be better. Yeah. Absolutely. So wait, but Did like, you get be that? good we, to each other? Oh my gosh. Those were the same two points. But it's true. It, it has to work both ways. That's great. The table's got to be good as well as the guy running the table. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. All right, let's go to game rap. Please. And it, and it, and it. Welcome to game rap. This is the end. My favorite part. We can be found at honorrollpodcast.com, on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you find your podcasty stuff. Uh, we can be followed on Twitter at Honor Roll Podcast. Of course, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash Honor Roll Podcast. You can also send us an email at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. I and want emails. Yeah. We get emails sometimes. I know, hey, I everybody them. email us this month. Yes. A bunch. Specifically email Carrie. Yes. yes. And then you can also go to patreon.com slash Podcast, and uh, you can help us keep the show on the air and also get some free stuff. While you're at it, I like that's patrons right. too. I and do we'll, too. we'll, I promise, if you're a patron and you approach me at a convention or something, I will give you a hug. Aww. Mm-hmm. If you've a, had a bath that day, that is a good deal. Yeah, that's a good deal. Yeah. My hugs usually cost like five bucks. <laughs> well, all right. They're worth it though. They're worth 10 easy. Huh. Mm hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's give XP then. Okay. All right, right. Jason, you're going to get 100 XP for making the show notes today. Thank you. Uh, And you're going to start doing that. You're going to get 50 (laughs) more XP for staying on them. Uh, No, I didn't like that part. I prefer to ramble. Well, I know, but, you know. (laughs) You did pretty good, though. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Carrie, you're going to get 50 experience points for uh, incredibly helpful contributions to the topic. At hand. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then you are also going to get 100 experience points for helping to keep Jason on the outline that he wrote. <laughs> you know what? Since we were talking about how that you should uh, be considerate to your dungeon master as well, mm-hmm. I want to give Ryan five. What? Player points this week. Whoa! Oh my! That they're not worth anything. No, sure. but I can spend them like most praise. But there it is. Wow! Yeah, because he's sort of our dungeon master. Would you yeah, say that? I, that's amazing. I mean, that's what I call him. Yeah, but not it's true. Well, you too. That's why on. I never go in your bedroom ah. after I did that one time, and yeah. I did not repeat that. Ooh. Oh my gosh! You know what? It's funny that you would make that bedroom dungeon master joke 
uh, because uh, now I feel like I need to take a moment to read some of the notes that Jason wrote for the show. Oh, that's great. You should read Discuss pre-planned climaxes <laughs> and how players interact with them. If you don't you pre-plan your climaxes, look, how do you look, get to them appropriately? I'm just saying, you use the word hard and climax a lot in these show notes. Give satisfying <laughs> conclusions. <laughs> That's appropriate. <laughs> if you can't come to a satisfying conclusion, why are you even involved in the process? Note 2.5. Big climaxes are hard. <laughs> this is just logic. I was so good by not making these jokes. He's been sitting on them the whole time, has he? Could take it. 3.3. If you nail them, it can be powerful. <laughs> 3.4. Climaxes can be really satisfying, and it's easy to have them keep ramping up. <laughs> Absolutely. 3.5 can cause player exhaustion. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you don't already understand this, I'm not sure I can teach it to you. 4.1, be aware of what they like and don't as players. <laughs> don't be afraid to push that envelope. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean what people like and don't like in game. What do you mean? Uh, goodness gracious me. This is what I get for awarding him points. Right? <laughs> Join us next week when our topic is where the hell is the last puzzle piece? I can't put it together if it's missing one. Until next time, I'm the curmudgeon. Joining me is the legend and the favorite. The only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun. on the honor roll podcast belong to just those who are here on the podcast and nobody else all of the music is courtesy of kevin mcleod at incompetech.com